Um, we're going to start a new series. We're having the Summer of Psalms, and we're almost done with the summer, but, but nevertheless, we're going to have the Summer of Psalms. And we're going to be looking at these, these chapters in this book called the Psalms. And these are, these are the, the hymns of God's people. You know, in the Old Testament, when, when they would do church, they would sing the Psalms. They would sing these songs that God had spoken through his, his leaders, and, and these are amazing words that encourage us, challenge us, and they give us words to speak. Um, I, I love the Psalms personally in my own life because they, they allow me, they give me a sense of, of an ability to speak what's going on in my soul. You know, sometimes you think there are things going on when you're not super happy, maybe, maybe you didn't wake up on the right side of the bed, or things are going on in your life, and you feel like, this is not how a Christian should feel. I don't know how to address God in this. I don't want to be un- ungrateful, but I'm, I'm frustrated my life, with my life. I'm hurt. I'm broken. You know, we all go through, through challenging circumstances, and, and the Psalms give us words to say. It, it's, they almost give us license to express our emotions, not... Not so that we can just be grumpy, but so that we can be honest with God. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to look at some of the Psalms, uh, starting today with one, probably what is the most famous uh, one that, that even the world knows of. But before we, we do that, I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about this question yourself. Does anyone even care? You look at your life, maybe you look at your problems, Maybe you look at your, your bank app on your phone and you, you think to yourself, does anyone care about me? Does anyone really care? Um, you know, sometimes I think we have a sense that, that people don't care. And in fact, I want to quote from this, uh, this famous poet who was wrestling with this question. He said, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Long ones, skinny ones, short, fat, juicy ones, itty-bitty, ugly-wuggly worms. And I, I joke, but we've all been there. We've all looked at the dirt and said to ourselves, you know what? It's a, it's a worm-eating day. And this is, uh, my, my life is as good as eating these worms. And if you grew up in the 90s, you read, there was a, I don't remember what book it was, so maybe I shouldn't even say, but the kid ate worms, it was great. All joking aside, though, sometimes we have this question, and it's okay to have this question, does anyone even care? Because this morning, I want to encourage you that there is someone who cares deeply about you. Amen? So let's stand up together. We're going to be out of, reading out of Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Kids, I challenge you to read that as well. This is one that you could memorize. We're going to read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that of all the amazing ways we could describe you, you show yourself to be a humble shepherd who isn't afraid to enter into the mess of your sheep, to get dirty, but who willingly comes alongside us, even steps in front of us and leads us. God, I thank you that it is your desire to provide, to protect, to renew your sheep. God, I pray that you would minister by your spirit a sense of your shepherding care over the people in this room. Lord, you know that there are those in this room who feel like nobody cares, who feel like they've been left alone, who feel like they've, they've wandered off and because they've wandered off, they can't find their way back. God, would you come alongside each of them, pour out your love and show them the way home. Would you minister your care to us right now by your spirit and through your word? In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen. You can be seated. Family, God cares about you. God cares about you. David is writing this, and David is, he's familiar with what it means to be a shepherd. Before he was anointed as king, he was a shepherd par excellence. He was excellent at what he did. He fought bears, and he didn't have a rifle or bear spray or a truck. I mean, these are the things, I think I'd prefer the truck most of all, but he had none of those things. And he fought wild animals on, on behalf of his sheep. So he understood what it was to be a shepherd, and he understood that God was his shepherd. And he says this amazing thing in the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. And we've heard that many times. Maybe you even have a mug that says that the Lord's my shepherd, or, or maybe it's written on a plaque in your, in your house, and, and you can become familiar with those words and begin to think very little of them. But let me break it down just for a moment. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't just say, God is my shepherd. He doesn't say, uh, God Almighty. He says this word, Lord, and and in the English translations, they tend to use this L-O-R-D with its in small caps to, to reference the name that God gave to the people of Israel when he was talking to them in terms of their covenant relationship. So God entered into a covenant relationship through Moses And the people of God basically saying, I'm going to be your God. I'm not just going to be any God or a God. I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to be faithful to you. And my faithfulness is expressed in this name. I am who I am, Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on when you picked it up. And and what what God was saying was, I am going to be who I will always be for you. If I was faithful then, I'll be faithful now, and I'll be faithful in the future. If I was able then, I'll be able now, and I'll be able in the future. God doesn't change. There's no, there's no shadow of change in him. And this is the God that he says, the Lord. But it doesn't just say the, the Lord. Not, he's not just talking about this transcendent, awesome, powerful God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, uh, there are other places where, where uh, David likes to talk about The Lord is king, the Lord is ruler, the Lord is mighty. And these are all good and important things. But sometimes we need to know that the Lord is my shepherd. That he's tender, that he's gentle, 
that he's brave, that he stands in front of his people. Sometimes we need to know that when we're going into tough situations, we're not having to beckon God to get in there because he's already there. In the middle of your, your marriage problems, you don't have to say, God, would you please show up because he's already there. Because that's the way a shepherd is. He's with his sheep. He's the God who is faithful and he's their shepherd. Now, just a side note, if God is the shepherd, then we are the sheep. Um, and that's good news and bad news. It's good news because God cares for sheep. It's bad news if you want to be in charge because sheep made bad leaders. And I don't mean that in terms of sheep leading sheep, but in terms of running your own life apart from God, that's a bad idea. And if you, if you study sheep, they're not super smart and they get into a lot of hijinks. I mean, I, I believe that you can, they, they can get, if they're not sheared, they can get super puffy and then they can get waterlogged and fall over and that's kind of the end. They're almost like turtles. It's, it's problematic. They, they're dependent. You know, it's interesting that, that David uses this analogy that, that they're dependent to speak about himself. This amazing king, the ruler of Israel, able to say, do this, do this, and, and it happens. You know what he says? The Lord is my shepherd and by implications, he's saying, I am a dependent sheep. And one of the things we have to come to when we embrace the Lord as shepherd is embrace our identity as his sheep. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, I, I appreciate how the ESV retains that kind of King James poetic language, but, but it's a little confusing if you if you are an unfamiliar, right? I shall not want, like I, I want all the time. No, but what he's saying is I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack. Now, if Bob from accounting was your shepherd, you might lack from time to time because Bob's not able to run your life and, and do everything that you need. You know, if this career is your shepherd, then, then you might have problems because your career is not able to provide everything that you need. If your spouse is your shepherd, then you're not going to necessarily have all that you need because none of these things were intended to care for you in the way that God cares for you. But when God is your shepherd, you shall not want. This, this verse sums up the whole thing. So if you, if you forget everything else, just meditate on the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he begins to, to lay out what that looks like going through the life of a, of a sheep. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. A good shepherd will take in the mornings their sheep and, and bring them to their, their place of, of, of eating and of, of grazing. This isn't gross, high grass that you, you pick up and you put between your fingers to make a, a loud noise, Right? Kids, you know about that, where you pick up the grass and you put it between your arms and you blow on it and it makes that look. If you don't know, give it a try. This is, this is the kind of grass that you find at, at the golf course. This is that, that lush green grass that satisfies. And God guides his people to that place, that place of refreshing, that place of fulfillment, that place, place of provision. He leads us beside still waters. And then he says, he restores my soul. 
And that, that word restore has this idea of kind of coming back, of repentance. If, if it was just, I am restored, it's, it's almost I'm brought to a place of, of fullness or completion or, or where I'm supposed to be. And the word soul, sometimes we think of soul and we think soul, body, right? We, we have this dichotomy because in the New Testament, that's kind of the picture that's given to us. But in the Old Testament, a lot of times the word kind of encompasses who we are. He says, he restores my soul. And what he means, he says, he, he restores my vitality. He restores everything about who I am. And this is, a, this is a picture of God's salvation in our life. God takes us and he provides for us. He gives us what we need and he restores us. God intends for the refreshing that he gives to restore my being. And when we encounter his presence and his provision, we experience his peace. I'll say that again. When we experience his, his presence and his provision, we experience his peace. Christian, many of you, when you first encountered God in the gospel, when you embraced the fact that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, defeating Satan to sin and death and offering eternal life, you understood because he was present there by his spirit, he had given his provision for your sin, and all of a sudden you were at peace with God. The Lord had become your peace. He had restored your soul. David goes on and he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in paths of his righteousness for his namesake. That means that he, he guides the sheep on the right path. Right? That, is that a comfort to you? Have you ever thought, looked at your life and just thought, got three ways forward, they all look wrong, let me find the dice and roll. Or, or you, you go to your friends, you go to your pastor, you go to your, your sources of counsel. Hey, what should I do? You should do door A, door B, door C. And you're like, you're all super smart and you're totally disagreeing with one another. I don't know what to do. Again, so you, you roll the dice. But when, when God is your shepherd, he leads us on paths of righteousness. He makes it clear. This is why, this is why I encourage you to read your Bible. Because he's, he's given us paths of righteousness. He hasn't left, left us wondering, okay, what's the right way to go here? What's the wrong way to go? Should I watch this thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, does it, does it glorify righteousness or does it glorify sin? Should I, single person, should I date this person? Am I in a place where I could get married? No, then probably not. Is this person walking in faith like me? No, then probably not. There are things in the Bible that give us direction. Should I take this job? And it may not say, yes, you should take that job. But it gives us direction. There's paths of righteousness that God wants to lead us on. And he does this all not because of anything within and of us, but he does it for his own namesake. And if you were here last week, Shemek mentioned this idea of God doing things to protect his own his own. Uh, identity, to protect his own, his own reputation. And, and it, that might smack of pride or, or arrogance because if we do that, it, it den- does tend to be prideful or arrogant. If I do things to protect my own reputation and, and, and to kind of front myself, that's, that's problematic because I'm not that special. But when God says, I'm doing this to protect who I am, He's protecting the integrity of goodness itself, of justice itself, of righteousness itself, because those things are founded in him. And so when he does things for his own integrity, 
for his own namesake. It's a good thing because that means he's going to get it done. He leads us on paths of righteousness for his own namesake. What does it mean that God cares for you? It means that he'll provide for you. He knows your need. And he, he'll make room for it. It means that he'll give you rest. This is why, this is why Jesus says in, in Matthew 11... He says in Matthew 11, chapter, or verse 28, he says, come to me, all of those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, that's God embodied in, in the person of Jesus Christ. He's, he's inviting us, come to me, and I will give you rest. And it means that he'll restore us. In, in John chapter 10, John describes or Jesus himself describes himself as what? The good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 says, As I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You see, family, Jesus came not just to take away your sin, but to restore your soul, to put you back in the sheepfold. Paul tells us that we all, like sheep, have wandered astray. What does that look like? We have all chosen to believe that we are in charge. I've got a better plan than God does. And that, that looks like sheep wandering off. And when you see it in other people's lives, you can totally, you're like, that's dumb. That looks like a sheep wandering off. But when it's your own life, you're like, I'm awesome. I'm not wandering off. People just aren't following me. But when, when God, when Jesus came, he came to gather his sheep, to bring them back into the fold. He restores us. God is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. If anything else is occupying that role in your life, things get out of whack. Things get out of whack. And, and I'm sure that many of you know that. When, when you, you're in a relationship and that person isn't just the, the beautiful, sweet, amazing, wonderful boo-boo that you love, but they become an idol whose approval you need to be okay Things get out of whack because that person cannot be your shepherd. When that career becomes the all-encompassing thing for which you live and from which you receive rest and, and, and provision and, and a sense of, of restoration, you're on a track for burnout. That's what burnout is. That's when you say, you know what, this thing over here, that's my shepherd. It's going to guide me and lead me and, and protect me and care for me. And when, when we find out that that thing is finite, we, we find ourselves to be burnt out because we're not getting what we need. God is your shepherd. Don't accept any substitutes. But you might be asking yourself, okay, Pastor Eddie, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. But, but if, if God is my shepherd and, and there's green pastures and still waters, then why is my life a dumpster fire? Why is it such a mess? Is it okay for us to be honest about that? That life can sometimes be a mess? Got real quiet. Everyone's like, my life's, life's great. It's fine. It's good. Don't look. Don't look back there. No, it's, what does it look like when our life is a mess? When my, why is my child acting that way? Right? Some of you, it's, why, other, why is my child acting that way? But it's the same thing of, it's a mess. So why haven't I found a spouse? Why do I have chronic pain? Right? If, if the Lord is my shepherd, then why is life so very dark? 
This is what I love about the Psalms is they're, they're, they're real. There's a realistic perspective of reality. It's not just some sort of idea in your head, but no, it, it reckons with reality. And, and David goes on, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some translations will say the dark valley. But I, I like this translation because it's like punch after punch, the valley, which is deep. You're not in a mountain. You're not, you're not at some sort of conference excited about, God is so good. We're having a good time. We're spending, we've, we've taken a week off. And so we're, we're celebrating God with a bunch of other people who are like-minded. We, we don't have any responsibilities. So we're, we're high on, on not just God, but on just the lack of pressure on our life. No, we're in a valley. But it's not just a valley. It's a valley of the shadow. What shadow? Of death. This is the dark place. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though God guides me, right? David is, he's still a sheep and he says that God has guided me. He he guided me through green pastures and still waters. And now I find myself as a sheep guided by God into the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk there, I will fear no evil because I am awesome. Is that what your Bible says? No, because you are with me. Family, what makes life possible when life feels impossible is not our productivity or efficiency or grit or awesomeness. And, and if you, <laughs> you want to believe that, you'll come to the end of yourself real quickly or you'll live a very um, delusional life. And I don't say, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying this is how life works. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So many times in the Bible, the promise that God makes is that I will be with you. Moses is saying, God, what are we going to do? These people are knuckleheads. They want to kill me. They're idiots. They're frustrating. And, and, and I, I need you to... And, and God gets frustrated with them as well. And God says, you know what? I'm going to send an angel of the, I'm going to send one of my angels. And, and the angel will take you guys into the promised land. But I'm not going to go because I'm going to get real angry with these people and I'm going to strike them all down. And Moses says, you know what? If you're not going, I'm not going. If you're not with me, I'm not going. And in other places, David prays after he has a terrible fall into sin that we won't talk about on Family Sunday, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, One of the things he prays is, God, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. You can take my kingdom, take the other stuff, but don't take your presence away from me. Why? Because it's your presence that is able to carry me through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus promises, what does he promise? Go and do these amazing things, Matthew 28. Uh, Go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and what? And I will be with you through the ends of the age. He says, tarry here, pray here, and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Why? Because God wanted them to have the presence of God with them. We don't have to fear, not because we're awesome, not because we can kind of muster up some courage and and white-knuckle things, but because God is with us. And some of you, you've been white-knuckling it for a long time, and you're exhausted. You're exhausted. And my encouragement to you is that God cares, and he comes alongside, and he offers rest. And that rest looks like you saying, I, I can't do this, God. 
can't do this, but I know that you can. It looks like trusting him to be the shepherd. Are you in the valley of the shadow of death? You don't have to fear evil. You can, you can trust God. He may not answer the whys of your life. Why is this happening? Why is it so hard? Why am I in so much pain? He might not answer those questions, but he'll be with you. He'll be with you. He goes on, and we're going to speed through this next section, but I encourage you to meditate on it. He goes from the, the, the language of, of a shepherd and sheep to talk about this idea of a, a sheik or a, a host at a, an amazing banquet. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. All of this is a little bit foreign to us. It sounds a little weird. Why would I want to go to a party where all my enemies are at? But the point he's making is that when you're at a table dining in the presence of your enemies, that's because your enemies can't do anything. That's because they're at bay. God vindicates his people. And again, sometimes we want to be the shepherd. We want to fight the enemies when God is saying, no, no, let me handle it. This is why in other places he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You don't have to answer this out loud, but have you ever wanted to take revenge? <laughs> Some of you were very honest. Okay. Um, the truth is that, that we can trust God when we feel like we've been hurt. God will vindicate. Family, every wrong that has been done will be righted. Some of us, we say, oh, I can't forgive. I can't move on. I can't, I can't, I can't trust this person. And, and, and he's not saying that you have to just openly trust people, but but we can forgive, not because God just wants us to, to overlook offenses and, and for us to just be punching bags. But we can forgive because we know that God is going to bring about justice. That justice will already have been dealt with on the cross or it will be dealt with when Jesus comes back. But, but make no mistake, God is a just God. No one gets away with anything. I don't get away with anything. You don't get away with anything. And neither do your enemies. So we sit and we dine in front of our enemies. We, he anoints our head with oil. That's a picture of this, this sense of rest and, and, and being hosted and welcomed in. They would, they would take olive oil and, and mix it with perfumes and they would anoint the people. And it was, it was a, a calming, enjoyable thing. My cup overflows. Right? There, there's plenty. There's plenty. He's not stingy. He's not, well, you know, here's this Dixie cup worth. No, he keeps pouring, and, and you're, you, you got, you're having to sip off the top because there's so much in there. God's our shepherd, and he cares deeply for us, and he hosts us in that way. And then finally, he, he ends it, and he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. His goodness and his mercy... You know, we would think, my enemies are pursuing me. My problems are pursuing me. My debt is pursuing me. But no, when God is our shepherd, he says, my goodness is pursuing you. He, he's, he's chasing after you. My, the, the word there, mercy, it's, it's, other places it's steadfast love, it's loving kindness, depending on the translation. It's this idea that God has committed himself to us as, as our God and and 
it's out of that sense of his commitment, which he can't break because he is God, that he has said, I will love you. You know, when I say, you know, I love this thing or I like this thing, there's, there's a possibility for change because I'm a fickle person. I'm a human and I can change, but God doesn't change. So when he says, I love you, that means he, it's locked in. When he says goodness and mercy is going to pursue me, it's locked in. Mercy is coming after you. Some of you, you look at your past or you look at your life and you think, I'm being pursued by my enemies. And God is saying, no, if you will just trust me, you will understand that goodness and mercy are pursuing you. Goodness and mercy are pursuing us. When, you, when you're walking through the valley, you can know that God's goodness is not far behind. When, you, when your life feels like perpetual darkness, you can know that God's steadfast love, his mercy, is a light that's coming to you. And family, when you feel like nobody cares, you just want to eat worms, I mean, you can do that. But I would encourage you to remember that God is chasing after you. God is chasing after you. You may not feel it. You may not see it. But I promise you that this truth is more real than anything that you see or feel or experience in your life. When God says it, he means it. God has shown his love to us that he's a good shepherd, most of all by sending Jesus Christ. Because even though we are his sheep, the Bible says that like sheep, we have gone astray, seeking our own ways, trying to be autonomous, trying to do things our own way, disobeying God, not doing what we ought to do and doing what we shouldn't do. And it's in that circumstance that God comes along and says, hey, come here. And Jesus dies on the cross for our sins in our place offering eternal life, offering the kind of restoration that David's talking about. And when we trust in him, when we submit to him as our shepherd, he restores us. He gives us eternal life. Are you trusting your shepherd today? Are you trusting your shepherd today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many people in this room that I know just have a sense that Man, it just feels like nobody cares. But I pray that you would help us to know that you care. I pray that you would help us to know that you care deeply, that you provide, and that you love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, kiddos, you did good. Now it's time. Who wants to come up front? Come on up. It's review time with the kids. Come on up, guys. How's it going? Have a seat. Have a seat. It's good to see you, buddy. Hey. You guys did so good. I know it was hard. Parents, you guys did so good as well. I know it was hard. <laughs> Come on, sit beside me, AJ. You guys can sit there, but don't go any further, okay? Come on, sit. Uh-oh. <laughs> she can't quite. No, oh, don't pick her up. No, 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 no. Somebody help. Thank you. Okay. If mom, yeah, okay, there we go. All right. So, giddy up, guys. I know, I know. So, are you guys listening? 
Look at me. Let me know you're listening. All right. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to raise your hand. Don't, don't yell out, okay? And I'll, I'll pick some of you. I'm not going to be able to pick everyone, but I'm going to try and ask each of you a question. Now, who knows what a shepherd is? Silas. They fight wolves and get their sheep back. Yes, I like where your head's at. That's good. That's good. No, that's a good point because shepherds are not just like, oh, da, 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 I'm carrying the sheep. But no, they fight wolves. That's awesome. That's good. Because, yes, wolves eat the sheep, and that is a different story. Um, so a shepherd is someone who watches over their sheep. Can you guys say a shepherd, a shepherd. is someone who watches over their sheep? And, and a shepherd is someone who cares for the sheep. Now, what happens when a sheep wanders off? Raise your hands. Yes. They go find them. Who goes and finds them? The shepherd. So if we're God's sheep and we wander off, what does God do? He comes to find us. Now, I have a question. The Bible talks about a shepherd. You beat me to the punch. God is like a shepherd for the people. Who came on earth and became a human, was a baby, and we celebrate him at Christmas? That's right. Jesus. Good job. Jesus came to be the good shepherd. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that Jesus is a good shepherd. Who is your shepherd? Jesus. God. Yeah, we're not, these are not hard. This is T-ball. This is good. What are some ways that God cares for you guys? Love. He gives us stuff. He does give us stuff. He cares for us. That's kind of the word. He saves us. What does he save us from? Tor- tornadoes and what? Scary stuff? Yeah. Sins. Okay. We got a theologian here. Awesome. Good job, Malachi. Yeah, God saves us from our sins. Now, do you know what a sin is? Can you tell us what a sin is? Okay, let's listen. Let's listen. What were you going to say? When you regret that you did something? Bad. Yeah, when you aren't obeying God. So a sin is when we don't obey God. And usually at your age, it's when you don't obey your parents. Because your parents are trying to lead you in the way that God wants you to go. And you're starting to learn that. I, mean, I know you are. I know. You'll be huge. You're basically an adult at that point. So God saves us. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he saves us from our sins. He dies. Can you guys listen? We're almost done. He dies for us. You listen now. He dies for us. And does he stay dead? No. He comes back to life. And he does that because he's able to defeat death. And that's good news because our good shepherd is still alive. Can we pray and thank God that he gave us a good shepherd in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to be my shepherd. Thank you 
that God, you care. Guys, look at me. God cares about you. Now let's tell the adults. Let's look at the adults and say, God cares about you. Now you guys say it louder. One, two, three. God cares about you. All right, good job. Y'all go sit down. Go find your parents. Not someone else's parents. Thank you for your help. Good job, guys.